Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rope Podcast with Box and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. I'm Fox, I'm a rigger, she's Maya, she's my bottom. We've been rope partners for a few years now, and we are always excited to share our passion for rope with you from our beautiful city of Bangkok. And speaking of Bangkok, Maya... <laughs> Um, yeah. We have been holding a few rope events in Bangkok we recently. Did. In a short period of time, we put on several rope events, um, and that has generated for us um, this episode, which is about putting on rope events, whether they're jams, workshops, parties, or pay rope. So what types of events are there? You just named a few. I named a few. So um, I guess, first of all, there are uh, workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, courses, um, maybe labs we might put in there. So this would probably be uh, learning rope. Yeah, education. Education, yeah. All right. Um, then there are jams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's a jam, do we think? So jam, jam is a bit of a vague term, and I've um, investigated within the rope community what people mean by that word, and the answer is not always the same. Uh, so it's... For sure, uh, an, an event that's usually shorter in duration, like just a few hours, where people get together and they tie. So it's an, an event where you tie with a partner. Uh, the details, though, vary a lot. And I think we'll have uh, an episode on jams at some point in the future. Okay. Some things that might be included are um, tying with different people, mm-hmm. tying with the same people, mm-hmm. um, tying with new people. Mm-hmm. Um, either practicing or um, uh, scening. Both seem okay. I've seen both at jams. Um, some jams have learning, some don't. Um, yeah. Some have sex, some don't. Like That's where the, the details start to vary. Pretty much. Um, so parties, maybe maybe we could have a continuum with like workshops at one end, parties at the other, yeah. and maybe things like jams, peer rope, uh, rope salons in the middle, yeah. maybe? Yeah, so definitely the party is something that's a bit more full-on. You can expect things to be um, very sceny. Uh, sex might be appropriate, depending on the type of party. There might be other BDSM play mixed up with the rope more. So like impact, uh, wax, breath play, whatever, whatever you want to uh, mix in with rope. And the party is not necessarily just rope. It can be all kinks, and some people are doing rope play as part of that party. Yeah, and we did have a rope or two rope parties, but in general, that's less typical, I think. Yeah. Then uh, you have your performances. Yeah. So this is usually more straightforward. Usually there's someone who is doing a demonstration, a performance that people watch. So mm-hmm. some kind of rope um, bottom and top. Yeah, a show, watch. a spectacle of some kind, and there are few people tying and then a lot of people watching usually. Yep. Um, rope salon um, is one of those terms where we're not totally sure. We think we mentioned this on a previous episode yeah. where we went to one. Um, but we think that's where there might be like a more, um, what do you call it, a, a, a person. Yeah, a, a more, more senior person, person who's yeah. supervising a, a bit. And maybe they start things off mm-hmm. with a 
sort of performance, but like a more yeah. casual one. Yeah, the more low-key thing. I've been to that happened, mm-hmm. and then people tie. Uh, and then they tie more or less under the supervision of that more senior person, potentially. Do you think? Maybe. It's, it's not <laughs> completely clear to me at that point. Okay. Um, the one, the two that I've been to, one, I could kind of see that. The other one, um, I, yeah, I don't know. We're obviously a bit... My, my understanding is that it comes mainly from Japan. And in Japan, when you go to Mr. Such and Such Salon, you're tying in his style and he can give you feedback on your tying and things okay. like that. I think in Bangkok, we have uh, some dilution of the concept with uh, it coming it's, from uh, such a long way away. Dilution, not delusion. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It's important. Are you getting all English on me? Yeah, on that word I am. Uh, You mentioned peer rope earlier. So what is peer rope to you? So, again, we don't really have that here. So my understanding is that um, lots of people do rope and you can ask the people around you to teach you a tie, like, oh, that looks quite interesting. Can I learn from this other person who's my Mm. peer? So you're not being taught formally by someone. Ah. Um, Honestly, probably most of our listeners who in the States and Europe probably have peer rope and know this better than us, so it's probably a bit embarrassing for us to, you know. I'm not easily embarrassed. I am, at the drop of a hat, as we (laughs) say. Um, But the key key thing in all of these is don't assume that everybody's going to have the same understanding of what a dam or a party or a peer rope is. You, clearly, someone like us who don't know. My my jam could be your party, your salon could be my peer rope. Like let's let's just ask each other questions. If yeah, if, you're, because, if you're coming to my event or I'm going to yours, let's have a conversation to make sure we understand what's going to happen. Yeah, because you might well find that people are put off by your use of a term and don't want to come. Yeah. Um, whereas actually you meant something quite different, and um, I've certainly come across that. So. Yeah, we did we did have people who were uh, more intimidated to come to our rope party than they would have been going to a rope jam. So for them, they were a higher level event to enter into things. Which, to be fair, it kind of was. So I've heard that organizing events is a nightmare. So why would everyone, (laughs) why would anyone want to do such a crazy thing? You didn't just hear it. Um, It's a good, a good question. So um, availability, I think, is is one of the the key reasons. So maybe in your community, if you're out in, and here's where I don't really know America very well, but let's say in England, like in the middle of Norfolk, which is a place where there's not that many people. Maybe uh-huh. there aren't any events, and so you want to put something on. Okay. Um, or maybe the kind of event that you want, so if you want um, a jam and there's only salons, maybe you want to um, put on something that is more what you want. Or maybe you want to have an event around Seminara mm-hmm. and nobody likes Seminara in your mm-hmm. area, like no one, no one's put one on. Um, or the sex positivity thing. Um, yeah. Maybe you um, are in an area where rope is very sexual and you want to have a less sexual um, event or vice versa. Yeah. Okay. Why else might you want to put events on? Uh, I think a really good reason to um, throw yourself under that bus and run an event... <laughs> is to uh, do it as a service to your community, to give back because you've been in the community a while, you've been to events, and you want to do that as a pay-it-forward kind of gesture, like you've been 
the beneficiary of events before and so you want to give back to the community in that way or share the workload so that the people that usually run events in your area will be able to for a week and not be the ones in charge and come to a party and have fun instead of having to work so i think maybe there are some reasons that aren't going to work out for you so why shouldn't yeah. we put on events you probably shouldn't put on an event if you're trying to get laid uh, because it really doesn't uh, because you're going to have to worry about like selling tickets and unclogging oh. the toilet and running around because oh. so-and-so is late and so you need to pick them up from the lobby because we oh. don't know where the room is. And so basically, it's, gonna, it's not going to bring you more opportunities to play, it's going to bring you less opportunities to play than yeah. if you're just attending. It sounds exhausting. And it is. Uh, another thing you probably shouldn't have as your motivation is seeking thanks and recognition because honestly it's mostly quite thankless yeah and in fact it actually puts you in a position of higher risk mm -hmm. um, and on fat life there are definitely writings from people who are frustrated in the community um, because sometimes people who run events are held to a higher standard mm -hmm. than people at the events and whilst i definitely think that they everyone should be held to a high standard i don't i don't know whether they should be held to a higher standard mm. and whether that's the thing so yeah. seeking thanks like yeah it's not a super thankful and it's probably going to bring you more crap in some areas or it certainly increases your risk uh and lastly if you're looking to make a buck uh, honestly rope is not the way to get rich i'm sorry to break it to it? you guys this isn't the bitcoin of kink it is not the bitcoin of kink uh and like most events depending on what your costs are uh you'll be lucky if you break even you're, you're not gonna get rich on rope events yeah we definitely uh ended up funding some aspects i would say so assuming okay. some of our dear listeners haven't turned out the episode in disgust yet uh, what are going to be some practical considerations of running a rope event, Maya? Okay, so the first area is to think about um, the the impact or the risks um, of of it. So um, there's a privacy piece. So, okay. if, for example, um, you have it at your home mm -hmm. um, or someone's home, then yeah. that's going to expose your address and where you mm -hmm. live to the people in your kink community. Uh, potentially more people if you advertise the address on like Facebook or FetLife, which mm -hmm. probably don't do unless you're really confident. And, and uh, conversely, if 35 people dressed in latex and leather show up to your doorstep, <laughs> maybe your, your neighbors will think that's a bit peculiar. Yeah, you might want to consider coming in vanilla dress, changing mm. when you get inside. Um, right. And noise, that actually leads to noise. like. Yeah. If you're going to have 20 people in your house when normally it's just you and your partner, that's going to change. And especially if some of them are making ouchy noises uh, for the evening, mm -hmm. you, you might alert your neighbors in that side as well. Yeah. Um, there is potential damage to your location. So it might be as small as like a glass breaking mm -hmm. um, or it might be my particular bet noir, which is wax. Like, yeah, you don't like wax in your apartment so much, do you? Wax in my place, not because I just I've cleaned it up several times, and it drives me crazy. Wax stains are the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, just it never. There's still wax. I mean, there were people in my last apartment in Chiang Mai where we were 
who are probably cleaning up the wax from our scenes still. So, yeah. 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 Um, then there's also risks um, in terms of uh, legal risks. Yeah. So if you are in a country that is maybe not super kink friendly, mm-hmm. um, that's an aspect to consider. Like, is what you're holding legal? You know, yeah. what's the pros and cons on that? What's the liability if someone gets injured in your home using yeah. your equipment, maybe? Yeah, exactly. That's in probably more, well, most in the States where that seems to be a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's some of them. What what other practical considerations are there? Money, baby. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about the money, sir. Uh, well, usually when you're hosting something, you're going to have some costs. Uh, it's quite difficult to incur no cost whatsoever uh, if you're hosting an event, if just you're providing... Uh, single-use cups and drinking water well someone has to pay for those uh, on the other end of that spectrum if you're booking a convention center to hold the 500 people bondage convention your costs are going to be slightly higher yeah uh, and so that asks the question of how you recoup those uh, costs and are you going to sell tickets to your event and try to have those cover your costs are you saying fuck it i'm paying for this with my own money and i, I just want to do this as a service to the community and it's on me um, um are you doing donation based and mm-hmm. what i would say is donation based is works super well in some areas and super badly in other areas yeah, definitely like that's something to be aware of yeah uh, so in our case we chose to do our events for free uh, which had a number of benefits uh, if you are doing it for money, uh, you have to ask yourself, do the people need to pay in advance? Can they pay on the day? Uh, because m- making them pay in advance will make them commit more, because usually when people have paid for something, they're going to come. Uh, but it's super annoying because you have to handle all those dozens of transactions with every single person who wants to buy a ticket from you. So in that case, it might be a good idea to use uh, a website to do that for you or some kind of service. Uh, and even then, uh, if you have to cancel your event, and sadly, uh, as we'll discuss later, that has to happen sometimes, uh, reimbursing everyone's going to be a nightmare. Uh, you also have considerations of privacy, because if you exchange money with people through PayPal, for instance, because of the money laundering policies, you have to uh, show your real name. So depending on how out you are in the scene, you might not want people to know your real name. So it's it's a bit of a bother. Uh, and then basically pay on the day is simpler, but in some jurisdictions it's just not allowed to do it for legal reasons. And uh, and also uh, you might have 40 people RSVPing and only 15 showing up on the day. And if 15 is not enough to recoup your costs, you're going to be set. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Um, and what about what we are providing? You've, you've mentioned a few possibilities. So we mm-hmm. might be providing food or drinks. Yeah. Um, obviously, that has implications in terms of both money and mess, in terms of... Uh, yeah, and uh, allergies and vegans oh. and pescatarians yeah. and pesca-pescatarians and so on and so forth, yeah. That's not a thing. It is a thing. It's people who only eat fish that eat all the fish. Um, what about the surfaces? So um, if you're doing lots of rope on the floor, then maybe you need like softer mats or yoga mats. Yeah, tying on tile or on concrete is not very fun. No. Um, And out here, so what's interesting is in England, um, most houses have carpet um, Mm -hmm. because it's cold. 
and yes. carpet's warm. Yeah. Uh, whereas out here, almost no place has carpet. Like, really yeah, it would be a nightmare here. It, yes, it, it would. would it would rot within two months. It's so humid. Yeah, it really would. Um, yeah, so very different um, surfaces depending on your mm -hmm. country and stuff like that. And so that might mean in the UK you might be fine tying on the carpet, whereas here you you have to have mats. Like tying yeah. on the floor can be very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, what about hard points if you're doing suspension? Well, if you're doing suspension, you're going to need them. Uh, if you provide hard points, I would say, like, be pretty sure of how safe they are because yeah, if your hard points fail during an event, and we've seen reports of that, and it, it doesn't look pretty, uh, and no one's going to be happy if someone um, takes a bad fall because your hard point has failed. So don't just drill an eye bolt into your ceiling. Like, I would say, like, either use freestanding structures that are designed for this or uh, get it done by a professional is probably your starting absolutely. point. Absolutely. Um, and then there's rope. So yeah. you need you we... need rope to do rope. Did you know that? Yeah. And one of the things that's really interesting is out here we get a lot of traveling riggers mm -hmm. and they often don't bring rope. And for me, I kind of imagine that all riggers will have rope. Yeah, no. But as a bottom, I've started to realize mm -hmm. I need to sometimes have rope yep. if uh, visiting people are going to tie me. Yeah. So if if you um, are having an event, you need to think about like, do I am I okay with anyone using my rope? Am I mm -hmm. going to provide specific rope mm -hmm. that's just for anyone? Is my rope okay for suspension? So I know yeah. um, some uh, places will take in old rope from other people for people to practice ties with, but then you can't suspend with that because you don't yeah. know what's happened to that rope. Yeah, in, in Paris they used to mark that rope with red paint to say oh, you can use it to practice, but don't suspend with it. That was a good oh, okay. idea. Okay, clever. Yeah, yeah okay, okay. Um, and then um, other toys. Maybe um, you wanna if you're having a party and you wanna mix it up a bit. Do you need to provide mm -hmm. other toys to play with? Yeah. So for instance, when we uh, organize our party, we put out a few of our impact implements. We're not like the most attached to in an uh, intimate fashion for people to borrow, like a random crop, a random cane, a, a cheap flogger that we have. And so if people want to pick that up to play with a bit, we're fine with it. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this rope podcast and sharing it with you. Sadly, hosting a podcast isn't free. Far from it, actually. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope stuff so that we get a cut from your purchases and also ways to donate to us directly. And if you can't afford to do that, that's okay too. Just enjoy the podcast. Now back to our normal programming. And so what about um, practical considerations in terms of like the mood and the focus and, and what people want to do? Uh, I think it's important as an event organizer to communicate those things well because people are going to want to know and that not necessarily going to know how to ask. So if you're focused on education, make that very clear in your material. Uh, if you make a flyer or if you make a post on FetLife or however you uh, promote your event, say clearly like this is for education. Uh, if your focus is on play or on being social or on spectating, it's important I feel to communicate that by your word choice and by what you're gonna write on your uh, media.
Okay, so maybe uh, one suggestion for people is to, when people ask questions, start creating an online FAQ, and then that way you can you don't have to answer the same question 15 times. Yeah, that can be a good idea. Uh, and if you're using FetLife as your primary platform, that's rather easy to do. Uh, and then I think you need to communicate what the expect expectations sorry, are at your event. Like, is nudity okay? Uh, we have, for example, some of our events in Bangkok are being held on the balcony uh, of someone's house, and there's some lines of sight from neighbors, so there's a rule that you can't be naked in parts where the neighbors can see in, and that seems like a good idea. Yeah. Uh, but maybe inside, full nudity is okay. So you need to explain those things to people. You need to brief them on what the rules are going to be. Uh, is your event sex positive? Uh, and that one I think is nice to address explicitly also because people are going to be a bit awkward if they don't know what is okay and what isn't. So just be very clear. Uh, there are some events that are no sex at all and that's okay. There are some events which are fully sex positive and that's okay too. Like just decide what you want your event to be. Uh, are you going to have other BDSM play allowed in addition to the rope or are you going to have a strict rope only rule? That's also a thing. And also, are you going to allow for people who just purely want to observe or are you going to limit it to people who are coming to play? And usually the consideration is if your venue can only host a small number of people, let's say you have a capacity of 12, if you have two people playing and 10 people who came just to watch, it's <laughs> not going to be a great evening. Yeah. Uh, if If you have a lot of room to spare, there's not a lot of cost to allowing people who just want to observe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the last practical consideration, um, as the person that has done quite a bit of this, is um, make sure that you have a process for cleaning up. Mm -hmm. So just because everyone's left doesn't mean, from your perspective, the event is completely done. Got you me. will have to uh, put the rubbish out, put mm -hmm. the furniture back, um, clean, wipe the surfaces down, whatever, wash the cushion covers, whatever it is, yeah. uh, hoover, like, and so you might want to enlist someone else to help you with that. Maybe Probably you've got a, a cleaning idea. service, uh, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. but, but remember that you need to kind of build that into your... Uh, and you might also have admin cleanup of a sort yes. with things yes. like seeking consent from people to distribute photos from the event. Uh, distributing those photos, communicating, whatever thanking you need to people for thanking coming. and so on, yeah. yeah. All right, shall we talk a bit about our actual experience uh, yeah. running those so events? Tell us about, you tell us about that or start off. Okay, so in the past week, let's say, we have tried to put on three rope events. Okay. Uh, which is a lot for our scene, like Bangkok is much smaller than most places in America or than London, so there's not that much kink going on, and free rope events <laughs> in a single week is certainly more rope than Bangkok had sent before. Yeah, and that wasn't um, on purpose, exactly. They were kind of organic in terms of how they turned up, right? So it's not yeah. like we started and we planned three events in eight days, which is what, what, what was the... The thing is that one event came up and then there yeah. was another one happening and then some people were coming and so yeah. we held the third one. So let's start at the beginning. Okay. Uh, the first event we planned was a performance. Yes, it was supposed to be a performance indeed. But... Uh, and we had a really nice opportunity because we had uh, the rigor Rosie Pan from 
China who was visiting Thailand and she was interesting in, interested in doing a show. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and you volunteered to be her... You volunteered me to... What? That's not how consent works, sweetie. Specific. <laughs> uh, and so since you were the person uh, being tied and we had a space, we said, okay, let, let's just host the show. Uh, we hosted it in your apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which we converted for the purpose of the performance. So we had a lot of um, sitting because we wanted people to be able to see. And then we'd set up a central mat where the performance was uh, supposed to take place. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so we had to move your furniture around a bit, but it, I feel I feel it worked pretty well. Yeah, it, it, the space uh, worked well, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and we decided given in the end we had been three that I would basically move into yours for the week so that yeah. meant we could just leave it yeah which helped we, a lot it really did if a you lot. had if you had to live in your house while it was in that state it might have been a bit annoying for you it would have been a bit weird uh, and so we were pretty much all ready for our role performance right da, 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 but but then uh, Rosie got into a motorcycle accident no poor Rosie she's all right though everyone it's okay yeah. we made sure we we gave her a thorough body check very and uh, and she is doing fine. much better uh, and uh, obviously and I really understand her um, just coming out of a vehicular accident she wasn't excited about um, performing anymore yeah yeah so that meant that we had to change things and we had to decide were we gonna cancel were we gonna put on a different performance what were yeah. we gonna do so how did we um, navigate this. Yeah, I would say the first lesson here is you're going to need to be flexible and to think on your feet because um, bad things are going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. Not much. Uh, so we decided not to replace it by your lesser performance last minute in a panic because it felt like that wasn't going to go well. Yeah, we did consider it and we, we played around with it a bit, but in the end we decided that that wasn't um, yeah. something we were forward doing. Uh, and we had quite a few people coming uh, or expressing interest, so we also didn't want to cancel. Yeah. I feel. And we'd done a lot of work like setting up the space, and we had everything well aligned, and yeah, it yeah. felt like a bit of a waste to cancel. Uh, so, what we did in the end is we replaced it by what we call the free tie night. Yeah. Um, and that meant that we lost some people who, who had just been there to come to the performance and weren't mm -hmm. interested in tying or being tied. Um, I think we probably gained other people. Yeah. Um, but in the end, um, we had a pretty good uh, attendance, perhaps, perhaps more than we expected. Yeah, we had a really good attendance. We had uh, 20 people come and we'd only slightly rearranged the room because it was no longer a performance. We broke up the big mat into smaller mats and we basically built three little stations so we could have up to three scenes going at the same time. Yeah. Uh, which in fact we did for some of the night. We did have three scenes going on at the same time, like next to each other, and that looked kind of amazing. Yeah, that was a very uh, nice vibe as well. Yeah, Lots like the, the scenes leeching off each other's like energy and so on. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed that intensely. And uh, I guess we're going to put a, a photo in the show notes so that yeah, uh, I'll, um, I'll some... our listeners can see what that looked like. And so, yeah, we had 20 people, and that's about the max of what our venue uh, could host, I feel. With that setup, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
So that that went quite well. Uh, the play was very good. Uh, we had some very positive feedback from the people who came, which is always a good sign. Yeah, and we had people who played. We had people who still spectated and managed to see, you know, a good handful of rope scenes, which yeah. was nice because they weren't super well planned or anything like that. No, but there was there was a lot of rope. So people who had first joined for the performance and decided to still come did get to see a lot of rope. Yeah, yeah, which was very nice. Um, um, and I think and a lesson from that is if you want to attract a lot of people and the wide section of people. And maybe if you're in a newer scene where people don't really know what rope is and so on, starting by hosting a performance is actually quite a good way to draw people in. Yeah, definitely. It feels safer, I think, to new people because they can like explore rope without having or feeling pushed to play or feeling any kind of peer pressure. Yeah. Okay, uh, so that was the first one. Anything else on that one? Uh, I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it a lot too. It was a very vibrant event. Yeah. Um, we went to bed at 4 a.m. Like it was, it was a big night. Great energy. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely a big, big success for me that one. Yeah. Uh, then the second that's going to be a bit shorter because basically we had this locational setup that which wasn't costing any money, and we were having. So we had this event on the the first event on the Saturday. We were having another event the Saturday following, and so we were not going to um, take it down. Take down the the venue with only one week between the two. So we offered our location uh, to someone else who was holding a rope event, and we said, "Well, we've got this location all set up. It's kind of nice. It can fit up to 20 people. It doesn't cost anything. Do you want it?" And they said, "Yeah, actually, that's come that comes in handy because uh, well, there's a, a new dungeon that's being uh, put up in Bangkok, but it's not quite ready yet, and so having that transition space was useful." Uh, and turns out, uh, sadly, that event had to be cancelled because it did not have enough uh, attendees. Uh, for what the person wanted to do. And so the lesson there is, yeah, remember that if you're running events, there's going to be some disappointments, there's going to be some roller coaster moments. Uh, and so like, do think about what the consequences will be for you if things go wrong and you have to cancel your event or you have something bad happen. Yeah, or if you've like planned your evening around it, even at the most basic level, mm -hmm. then, and it's your space. And so, you know, you're the one kind of left inconvenienced and if if you were paying for that space then obviously that would be you know more of a challenge definitely um all right so what about the third event then that was another rope party yeah so this one the emphasis was a bit more on the party yeah and so uh we advertised it as something with more intense play potentially uh, the reason we put on this event is because there was a visiting rigger who was coming to Bangkok. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you were interested in meeting him and in tying with him and so on. And so that was basically all the excuse we needed to throw a party right. because we don't need much of an excuse, do we? <laughs> and we already had the space and it was yeah. like, well, we could make this work out. So it was a very, this one was a kind of much more casual thing that grew out of the first one. Um, but then we decided to make it a thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and so again, we didn't charge money for any of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
excuse me, which which really worked to our advantage, I think, because it took a lot of the pressure off. Definitely. And having it at um, my apartment meant that we weren't stressing about costs. Yeah. Really, in terms of our costs, it was just providing drinking water, because uh, in Bangkok you don't drink the tap water. Yeah. Uh, or you elsewhere. will die. Uh, you might not be well. Hmm. Uh, you probably won't die. Uh, anyway, you don't drink the tap water, so tap water, and then I have some glasses, but not very many, so some uh, plastic cups as well. I well, think you mean uh, recyclable paper cups, surely? Move on. Um, <laughs> so what um, did we did we spend anything else? I don't think we spent very no, much. I, well, you helped me clean up, and then I cleaned up. Normally, if my cleaning service had been available, honestly, I would have paid the money to have it yeah. clean. But, oh well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the money wasn't very much. Uh, no, a challenge with this one was pinning down exactly who was going to come. Yeah, that's the challenge with people not paying up front or not yeah. paying. Like, they're like, oh yeah. And in, we live in a super flexible community, first yeah. of all, in terms of tourists coming in and out. So there's always new people. Mm -hmm. Like I was trying to vet someone if you'd, in fact, both of us were trying to vet people in the few days before who wanted to come. Because mm -hmm. everyone that came, that's a good thing to mention, actually, everyone that came to the two parties was vetted in some way by either one of us or one of our or, or one of our communities so yeah by something we know. which which we require vetting in person so we had to organize like coffee meets at 11 at night and so on because people yeah, were coming few, off work late and so on yeah there was a few challenges there and we were really trying to balance to some degree riggers and bottoms or at least you know have some riggers and some bottoms and not all bottoms or all riggers um yeah. and so that's a bit of a challenge because you don't want to stress people out yeah yeah so we we um made a few calls saying oh it looks like we're gonna be missing a bottom would you like to come or do you have someone in your group who bottoms for rope so we, we tried to take an active uh stance in balancing the numbers a bit yeah but then a rigger dropped out and we ended up with honestly probably more bottoms than we needed yeah uh. <laughs> yeah oh, well. uh and we had like you will have if you run an event, a moment like the night before where like you have a few maybes, no one's really confirmed, they're like, is anyone going to come to my event? Like, yeah, that's a when thing. you think, is it just like we plan like, okay, well, the two of us will just tie all night, if not, yeah. that's fine. That's our baseline. We'll, like, okay, we'll fuck yeah. off to the movies. Yeah. Um, uh, so in the end, we had seven people, which is yeah. about so a, a third. Event, yeah. But, and yet... And yet what? it was actually a really good night. So, yeah, so why uh, did it work well? Sorry? Why did it work well? Like, what was um, it? Well, it was seven people, so two riggers, four bottoms, and one photographer. Uh, one thing I really liked about this event is besides the photographer, who was someone who didn't want to play, and that made that very clear, every single person got to do one or more rope scene. And so that was a very different vibe from the bigger party, where I'd say maybe... Maybe a third of the people, again, got to play. Uh, here, everyone got to play. Some people got to play multiple times. Uh, and having a smaller crowd and having the venue not uh, packed to the brim made it a lot more chill. Yeah, yeah. We had plenty of space. Yeah. Um, and we were more interactive, so there was more opportunity to, like, watch and chat. It wasn't... Oh, yeah, that's actually a great point. Instead of having all the scenes happening at the same time, we had the scenes one by one, so everyone got to watch everything. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think that was a bit stressy for some people in terms of maybe more attention than they wanted, but they handled it. And um, I think overall, um, it was it was really nice. Yeah. Uh, socially, the vibe was different also because when we had uh, 20 people packed in there, it was like more small groups, whereas here it was like more one big discussion with everyone involved in it. Yeah, yeah. So what are our learnings from that party, that little little, little gathering? Um, I think a big learning here is that your event doesn't have to be giant to be successful. And yeah. sometimes you actually have more fun at smaller events. Yeah. Uh, and I would say it was potentially more fun in some ways. Uh, it was more sexy also in some ways because at the bigger event where there were a lot of people watching, um, people felt like they had to perform for the audience on some level. Yeah, so uh, some more intimacy, more connection perhaps yeah. than making the, the, the faces. Yeah, so uh, definitely it was a really good time. And you don't know what's going to happen no, you with really events. Don't. So this is like one of the biggest learnings. And we've put on quite a few different types of events now. These have we put on just rope events before? We've certainly put on mixed events, yeah. um, like workshops and parties and stuff like that. And you just don't know what's going to happen. Stuff's going to change. Stuff's going to yeah. go wrong. Stuff's going to go better than you expect. You really need a lot of flexibility if you're going to you do, do this. Yeah. You do. And you need to make lemonade with your lemons and so on and so forth. Yeah, you really do. You really yeah. do. And and keeping it free helped us a lot. But yeah. obviously for most people, that's not necessarily realistic. Yeah. And so that's something to kind of think about. Uh, there's a new thing we uh, tried out, which was uh, having a board, like as in a, a flip chart, where um, people could put post-its if they wanted to tie or wanted to be tied as a bit of a, a way to uh, break the ice and make it clearer who was interested in play. So where did that work well and where did that not work as well? Well, basically, I'd say it was quite useful on the first Saturday night with the 20 people because not everyone knew everyone. And so it was a bit more noisy, a bit more difficult to walk around the room. So approaching someone asking for rope would not have been so easy in that context. Well, and also knowing who was a rigger and who was a bottom and who yeah. actually wanted to play. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the smaller group of seven people, it wasn't needed at all and it wasn't used because uh, everyone got to talk to everyone, everyone got to hear everyone and see everyone, and it was very clear uh, who was interested in doing what. So I would say use this kind of techniques. Maybe if you have a bigger group, uh, a group where people don't know each other, uh, it can be useful in that context. Fantastic. Yeah. So that's all from us at the Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from, iTunes, Teacher, and so on. Also come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Also, if you have time, please do give us a review as they make a big difference for us reaching more people who love rope. Um, we also love questions from listeners, so drop us a message on Fet and we'll try and answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.